Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is The Clay Young Show. Thanks, Neil. Welcome back to another edition of The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the iHeart Media app. It's Easter week, Holy Week, for those who celebrate Easter, and obviously it's Passover for those of the Jewish faith as well coming up. And, and I think this week has been so interesting. It's been upside down in some ways, and there's a lot of COVID information we want to get to you. The mayor president of East Baton Rouge Parish and the city of Baton Rouge will be here as well as Dr. Kurt Chastain from Lake Men's Health to talk about the latest with COVID-19. And there is something else I want to share with you. I, I, I can't put my hands on the audio right now, but and I don't, and don't have time to, to get it. But by the time we close the show today, you'll be able to hear it. It, is, it involves someone who just won't do right. That's as much of a tease as I'll give you. If you want to get the payoff, stick around for the closing segment of the show. I think you'll find it worth it. These are strange times. The holiday weekend, Easter weekend is coming up, and this is a time when families get together. And down here in the South, that's everything from the food and the, the camaraderie and all of that. And much of that is going to be different. I mean, people can still cook at their homes and They will still have family members who are in the house around, but a lot of grandparents won't be seeing their grandkids this weekend, at least not in person, maybe FaceTime or Zoom or some other device. And it's 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 different, but the the trends could reflect that at least things are improving. And we'll talk more about that with the mayor and Dr. Chastain. By the way, for those of you who are using Zoom, a lot of people are using Zoom. Google one aspect of Zoom that you might want to think about when you use it. And it, it, well, there was an article that showed how when there are recorded Zoom conversations, those recordings could be accessed by some, someone on the outside. And I saw an article a couple of days ago about that. So, I mean, it's fine when you're communicating. I mean, let's face it, telephone calls, FaceTime, all that stuff is pretty much hackable. I don't know much that isn't, but just, just something to think about too when you're doing meetings and depending on what kind of information you're sharing across the, the platform, you might want to just be aware of that. So let's find out where we are with COVID-19 and the stimulus package and all of that with Mayor Broom and Dr. Curtis Chastain. We'll do it right here. Podcast225.com. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. 
Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Mayor President Sharon Weston-Groom, who is here in studio. We normally do these on Friday, but tomorrow is is Good Friday, Absolutely. Madam Mayor, and we are encouraging people to be with their families in this yes. week. And yes. so much is going on, you could miss the fact that this is Easter week, Holy Week for many people, and this is the most different I could ever remember going oh, through. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, this is undoubtedly a special week, Holy Week for Christians, and it also embodies the week of Passover mm-hmm. for the Jewish community. Right. Uh, and usually uh, for Christians on uh, Easter Resurrection uh, weekend, it's one. I'm just be honest with you. It's one of my favorite holidays. That's right, that's you know, right. I love celebrating yeah. uh, Resurrection Sunday. It uh, just uh, memorializing and remembering what happened um, um, uh, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but also it's kind of one of those breakthrough Sundays of yeah. newness and yep. spring yep. and new yep. life. And it's transitional. This is transitional. So families get together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they, you know, barbecue, crawfish, yeah. you name yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. that's what this weekend usually symbolizes. Mm-hmm. But this is as you said, unprecedented, where mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to have those family gatherings like right. we're used to historically. Right. Um, I think we're going to have to be a little creative. <laughs> I have a friend, I will tell you, she said um, she's fixing dinners for her family and they can okay. drive by and pick up. Right. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, of course, I think it's a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be taking place this uh, weekend. Right, right, right. Very creative. So I would stay tuned online. You may even see the mayor president <laughs> doing some uh, FaceTime and on uh, you know, with bo- with her family. You boiling crawfish? Uh, no, we're not going. <laughs> I'm uh, Mr. Broom is going to pick up a pick a plate, <laughs> pick up a plate. So wait a He's going to pick up a plate. You're not going to be standing over a crawfish pot in your official Ooh, capacity. No, no, we were. Well, I'm not going to be doing that. Now I can cook. I know I can cook a little bit. You know that. Yes, yeah. And uh, in fact, what I may do is uh, uh, make some of my. Uh, get people to see me making some of my famous oatmeal raisin cookies. Okay. What do you think about that? All right, that? I like that. I like yeah. that. I like okay. that. No, she legit can do that too. Yeah. I, I I know that. <laughs> so it's. But you're right. I think if people are optimistic, they can still have. Oh yeah. As as normal as possible mm-hmm. a weekend with with these circumstances we yeah. know we're living in. I'm planning on. Uh, you know, I FaceTime with my grandchildren regularly, and so. I plan on doing that with them this weekend and um, also, uh, you know, I'm going to use this weekend to reflect. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to also read some books, do some things that I I normally uh, don't do. Uh, And so I'm I'm looking for I'm looking forward to a relaxing weekend. You know, this (laughs) is it's so funny. Good Friday. And I was telling somebody yesterday since I was a kid. Good Friday was always a fishing Friday. Okay. When I was a kid, and it would be the guys, we'd go out someplace and we'd fish. 
And now, you know, I, I take I would take my sons. This is only the second time that they've not gone fishing really? on Good Friday. And yeah. so I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but, but I think I do think we should be counting our blessings because and, and I was mentioning this to you before we started as last week ended and coming into this week, we heard that this was going mm-hmm. to be the worst week so far with COVID-19. Yeah. And knock on wood, it hasn't materialized. And we're all happy about that. Yes. But I want to get your thoughts on those those factors not bearing out. And yeah. I think you'll agree it's largely because people are complying. Yeah, I uh, saw some data. Um, I don't know how extremely scientific it is, but it said that uh, Baton Rouge was one of the areas uh, with heightened compliance. Mm-hmm. And so I first want to thank the citizens of East Baton Rouge uh, Parish um, because what uh, was uh, genuinely, I believe, predicted to be one of the saddest and worst uh, weeks yeah. um, has we've seen promising signs yep. of our efforts having positive effects. Mm-hmm. And so the message, though, Clay, is that it's not time for us to be relaxed. Don't relax yet. Uh, right. Because we're making progress, uh, because it will put more lives at risk. And so even during this holiday weekend, as I said, we want to encourage everyone to continue staying at home uh, and using creative ways to uh, stay in touch with family mm-hmm. and loved ones. Um, I believe we have come too far yeah, yeah, yeah. for us to see a community uh, resurgence of this virus. And, you know, I have had, um, some people, I, I, am I feel really blessed. I might read some of my letters that I've gotten from people who send encouraging emails and, uh, text messages and messages through social media. But, um, I remember um, one young lady said, Mayor Broom, please implement a curfew this weekend mm. because I want, I'm want. i looking forward to the time where we can go back outside and I don't want people to use this weekend because it's a holiday and just start flocking outside. Yeah. And so um, I just want to say uh, I feel her comments mm-hmm. uh, and we want to, We w- I want everybody, everybody that is listening to this podcast to be an ambassador this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to push out a message continuously of staying at home. You will hear other leaders continuously push out a message of stay at home. But I need our wonderful citizens of East Baton Rouge Parish to be ambassadors mm-hmm. and push out that same message yeah. of stay at home because right. we are coming too close yep. uh, to recovery yes. for us to have a setback. You, you so That's spot on. And the numbers are dictating it. The, the number of deaths are falling. Obviously, yes. I, I spoke with Curtis Chastain and, and some of the, the hospital beds. Are, that's a different situation. Right. But, the numbers are coming down, and that's largely because people are distancing. So if we can do this another few weeks, May can be really a breakout month because we can start to trickle back to normalcy. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. You and I both know we can't put a date on it, mm-hmm. but we can look optimistically right. uh, about our future in terms of uh, getting past this. And so uh, I wholeheartedly want everyone to... Uh, be in compliance and and look forward to the day when we can have uh, return to some level of normalcy mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. in our city and in our parish. 
So since we spoke last, obviously people are trying to, to learn how they can apply for stimulus dollars, both as households and as businesses. Is there any information about that that you could share with us now for people who are either business owners or affected by what's happening with COVID-19? Well, yes. Let me start off first by saying uh, April is Financial Literacy Month. And so as I was thinking about that, I charged my team with uh uh, developing some initiatives yeah. that would help people in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. Mm -hmm. So my team came up with a series of financial literacy webinars. Okay. And these online workshops are going to provide training uh, on navigating public assistance yeah. during this pandemic, uh, specifically stimulus checks mm -hmm. and unemployment. And the series series is also going to offer a training on emergency uh, budgeting. And what we're trying to do, Clay, is help families gain the longevity of their anticipated stimulus checks. Okay. Uh, as you know, the checks are going to be distributed uh, to qualified recipients in mid-April. Mm -hmm. And so this these webinars will roll out in six parts. Uh, which are going to include subjects like demystifying COVID-19 stimulus checks, creating and managing a COVID-19 budget, That's uh, securing relief services yeah. during COVID-19, and breaking down the unemployment pro process, creating a plan for an emergency reserve, and assessing spending habit habits during COVID-19 and beyond. And so if you want to sign up for that series, go to brla.gov, and we have information on every date uh, that the webinar series is going to take place uh, uh, starting next week. And uh, also it will share, you can find information there where you can uh, register. So go to brla.gov, brla.gov. And so that's important and that's both for residents and businesses as Absolutely. Well. And I will tell you that we have been having a number of conversations. Well, uh, actually we're having an SBA uh, seminar this afternoon. We've okay. been having a series of SBA uh, seminars uh, and the one today, I believe, is focused on the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. But we've had an SBA seminar, um, a webinar, I should say, uh, for um, uh, restaurants. Yeah. Uh, we've tried to cover every particular group we could uh, can, could think of, mm -hmm. small business owners. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, we had that information online, too, at brla.gov. So those are some efforts we've taken to help our small businesses. And um, yesterday I had a conversation uh, with the contracting community, okay. the contractors that um, are, are still up and running. And, and so we're trying to touch every facet of our community as possible. Now we recognize that the health, the physical health of our community mm -hmm. is the top priority. Uh, but simultaneously, we still have to work on the economic health of our community. So that is a very interesting point to segue into. And, and that's you're the perfect person mm -hmm. to ask. So you have businesses who are caught between compliance and survival. 
really. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about people who want to be a distraction. People who are saying, if I could get something going, mm-hmm. I can survive a little longer, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. restaurants have the, yeah. the, the opportunity to kind mm-hmm. of nuance what they do to mm-hmm. keep some revenue coming in. And a lot of businesses don't. So for them who, I mean, they don't, that people, I've, I got clients that I speak with who are terrified. So what would be your encouragement to them? Because even when you get back to normal, there will be lag time for them. Yeah, my encouragement is first to look into all and connect with all of the federal resources that are being discussed and uh, made available. But secondly, Clay, let me say this. I firmly believe that we, uh, the business people, um, have been and will continue to make major adjustments uh, in terms of how they do business. Mm-hmm. I think some have already recreated or made adjustments with their business models. Absolutely. I think that's going to continue to take place. I believe that people are going to have to, uh, businesses are going to have to be innovative and creative mm-hmm. in this whole recovery mm-hmm. uh, process. And uh, it, it's going to be a stretch. Yeah. Uh, but I believe that we can do it. And I know that like-minded or uh, businesses, I'm going to use that term, businesses that have um, uh, similar services or provide similar services are having conversations mm-hmm. uh, around sustainability right. uh, during this season. And so uh, I, the city parish is doing everything that we possibly can to support our local economy through uh, revving up the uh, keep BR serving to uh, uh, delaying the payment of sales taxes mm-hmm. for all businesses to uh, re- uh, relaxing the uh, penalties for uh, bars during mm-hmm. this time. So we are looking and thinking about every creative way possible right. uh, that we can help our local businesses uh, during this uh, season. And it circles back to what you said earlier. The more people comply, the more the curb falls, the faster we can get back to at least some semblance yeah. of normalcy for everybody, right? Yeah. I, and on one of my calls um, with the uh uh, contractors, um, I sh- asked them to make sure that they uh, used their voices mm-hmm. uh, to ask their employees to stay at home uh, this weekend. So it's one of those instances, Clay, where we all need to speak the same thing. No question. That's how we, we get to the other side of this. You know, we talk a lot about first responders in the medical arena who are working so hard and on the front lines every day to take care of our neighbors around the country. But you know, I thought about this the other day because I ask you every time about city service workers, like in Department of Public Mm -hmm. Works, I do think we should take a moment and celebrate those guys and gals who are working city services, not, you know, here in East Baton Rouge Parish, but around the country who are taking care of lawns, and picking up trash every day and dealing with water issues and everything going because they they're going completely unnoticed. Yeah. And a lot of these folks are handling refuse. Yeah. Right. And they're doing it twice a week. So I think we should take a moment to thank them as well. Would you agree? Would I agree? <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, and I'm going to thank everybody. Well, but just take a moment of gratitude right here. You know, 
our DPW department, Department of Public Works, they have been working just as if there is no crisis going on. They've been making sure delivery of basic services are taking place for the city and parish. Mm -hmm. So I thank them from the bottom of my heart. And, you know, I heard that they had some concerns about uh, being prepared, Mm -hmm. you know, with masks and gloves. And I immediately (laughs) told my department leaders, you better make sure they have everything they need to feel safe because they have been working without complaining or mummering. So kudos to all of our public works employees and all other essential employees at city parish government. Now let's move down to the uh, first responders. Kudos and thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of our first responders from EMS to fire to uh, police to the uh, doctors and the nurses and everybody, our EMS workers, everybody who's on the front line dealing with COVID-19. We love you. We appreciate you. And we can't tell you that enough. So that is that that's wonderful. And I think they need that love. You know, Chastain said to me, any and every time you can give them a pat on the back, do it because they, they can't go home. And you have to know that for a lot of them who love what they do, for some of them, they would like to be home. A lot of these men and women have little kids now who are home because of school being out, but they're on the front lines. And, you know, one of the things that you've been doing that I think is important is people need encouragement now because we've never faced this before. You're talking about 102 years ago to go back to something similar to, to, to this. So going forward, first, is there any information you want to make certain we get out before we wrap today? And then I'll ask my, my final question. Uh, no, Clay, I will say the most important uh, message that I have this weekend is calling on our community to serve as ambassadors and to share the message with everyone in your circle of influence Mm -hmm. that we must continue to stay at home and practice physical distancing. Physical distancing. We're changing from social distancing to physical distancing because social distancing has a connotation of disconnection with people emotionally. Physical distancing is more about staying six feet away, right? We don't have to stay away from people emotionally or disconnect from them emotionally. Right, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's thanks to... Uh, so uh, thanks to social media and the internet and FaceTime and WebEx and Zoom and Z and this and that, <laughs> you know, we can we can stay connected with people, and and we really need to uh, because you know I shared with someone the other day, um, and I have been in some text messaging groups with some of my close circle of friends, mm-hmm. and um, even though we are making progress. There are people, unfortunately uh, and regrettably, who have died over the past three to four weeks. Mm -hmm. And this this COVID-19 has put us in a whole different realm of even uh, grieving. Mm -hmm. So you cannot have people are not even able to have traditional Homegoing right. celebrations right. and services of someone's life mm-hmm. because you can't do it like we used to. And even this week, I know of a number of individuals that that we are close to and people in the community loved uh, who 
we can't bring the kind of closure that we're used to bringing. Well, you know, I said earlier, and, and I talked to him earlier this week, and I know since he since he put it out there, it's okay to say that uh, people are learning that the police chief lost his father uh, from complications from this, and, and he was gracious in what he said and offering thanks and encouraging people to make donations towards Alzheimer's research and, and all of that, and that's somebody that you and I know and the, pe- exactly. and the people of this community know who's gone through it, and, and you know, I've had others dealing with that and it's it's psychologically when this is over with because it's draining too and i think on the other side of this before there's euphoria there's going to be like that exhalation like wow Mm -hmm. you know because this is right right now as we sit and and record this interview the sun is shining outside absolutely and it's just it's it's so weird so the, the final question going into this weekend you've already addressed what your hope is for people through Easter weekend. So move to another week's week. What can people expect to be on the horizon vis-a-vis information or or something that's going on that they should know about in this coming week? Mm-hmm. Well, we will be certainly pushing out a, um, a series of uh, updates mm-hmm. uh, next week. Um, one of the questions, uh, Clay, that I get when we saw on our Instagram page, a young lady said, hey, we haven't had an update since Sunday from you. So people value Mm -hmm. the regular updates. So um, without giving too much information, we will have uh, a press conference next week. We're going to have some uh, updates on uh, projects that we're working on to help move our community uh, forward. And, you know, the, the I see that Move BR, I mean, that's kind of, all that stuff is still going on. It's still I, going on. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, Move EBR is still going on. Uh, and so we are doing our best as city parish government to maintain a, a schedule without... Um, and be in compliance, yeah, right? Yeah, because the building is, is skeletal now. City oh, Hall. yeah, we've closed City Hall. Mm-hmm. All city parish buildings are closed uh, to the public until April 30th. And I see that. With the exception of essential employees. And I saw that family court from the presser you had a couple of Fridays ago was still going to be open. Is that open to her? Yes, or? yes. And um, uh, Judge Hunter Green mm-hmm. uh, wants people to really know that because of the advent of domestic violence yeah. that occurs during times like this, um, that he does. Uh, is working uh, and family court um, to a scale down extent is yeah. certainly open because you you can't wait to address some of these uh, issues and uh, and certainly the court system is in, involved when yeah. you talk about domestic violence. And people can follow the mayor's office on social media. You're on all the platforms. Absolutely. Largely the press conferences that are done are streamed live across those platforms as well to get the information. And, you know, we'll get to the other side of this. And I think, you know, we'll be better. We will have learned a lot about ourselves uh, on the other side of this. And some parts of this will never go away. Some ways that we do business and we operate will exist now forever. You know? Yeah, I can't wait, uh, Clay, to until uh, I come back in your studio post COVID nineteen, yes. and for us to have a conversation. Yes, in. about all that we learned, yeah. and just you know, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, happy Easter to you. Same to you, Clay, and your family. Coronavirus. It's changing as you and I speak right now. Yeah. When the world changes, 
There's one place the Capital Region comes for answers. We have increased stress and the closure of schools. Podcast225.com and The Clay Young Show. Answers to your COVID-19 questions. That's pretty much how most viral illnesses act. From the people at the top. Truly an invisible enemy that we're uh, fighting here. The world is changing. Are you ready? Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. John, we have known for years the damage caused by termites in this part of the country, and the season's about to begin again, so it's time for prevention. Yes, it really is. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, in the next couple of weeks with the warmer weather, you may start seeing signs of winged termites flying okay. in your home. Swarming. But swarming. These are these are subterraneans. These are not the Formosans. You'll notice pinholes in your sheetrock. But mm-hmm. the first thing you want to do is go outside and find the tunnels along the side of the home. Okay. If you find that, you need to come see us. We carry the exact same products the professionals right. use. And these are soil barrier treatments right. that'll last 10 years. And you can do it yourself and save money. Excellent. So if you're in the New Orleans area, where can I get this stuff? Well, come by and see us in Metairie. We're located at 3512 Severn Avenue next to the Pepper Mill. On the North Shore, we're at 1417 North Highway 190. That's in the same shopping center as Villery Florist and Sherwin-Williams. And on the West Bank, we're on the Palco just past the Harvey Bridge. That's New Orleans. What about the capital city area? In well, in Baton Rouge, we're located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or give us a call at 273-4788 if you have any questions. Don't get caught unprepared. Use what the pros use by going to Pest Stop on O'Neill Lane. This is the Clay Young Show. Back with Dr. Curtis Chastain, who is uh, working hard as all the medical professionals are and He's on the medical front lines, and he's been so great to be with us and giving us his insight on what's happening with COVID-19. And it would appear that there is at least a case where we can have a small amount of optimism, Doc. Wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, any chance, any any, any flattening of this curve, any, any, any uh, let's say... If we could continue to show that we are not increasing at the slope that we were increasing last week, that yeah, that is absolutely great news. I also have uh, great news that our mortality rate, as far as uh, inpatients go, is starting to flatten out as well. And after all, that's what everybody's mostly afraid of, is dying from this disease. But it does remain that the majority of people who get this disease will not die. But that's, that's everybody's wonders well who's that going to be and how do i know it's not going to be me yeah i was in a meeting last week earlier this week and the phrase flatten the curve came up again and one of the guys in the meeting said you know (laughs) everybody doesn't understand what that means and and i think that people are starting to get it now that they're meaning lowering the number of people who are contracting the virus and those dying from it. And the only, I guess the only way so far to do that is by social distancing and not spreading it. It would appear the public is listening, wouldn't you say? It it appears that way. And let me just go back to what you just said. I don't know that over time, if we go back and look at this retrospectively, that it's decreasing the number of people the absolute number of people it's 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 decrease flattening the curve means we're decreasing the number of people who get it at one moment in time so you know if you get 
that's that's really if, if at the end of the game you get a million people that get this virus over mm-hmm. time, and we can handle that million people, you know, from a healthcare standpoint, that's good. But if all million show up in in three weeks, that's gonna that's gonna oversaturate the system, and that's when you get into the situation where you're having to choose who goes on a ventilator and who does not get a ventilator, and so. That's what we're talking about is flattening the curve, spread the absolute number out over a longer period of time. So there has been, and and you and I have talked about this in in previous appearances here, there's been a lot of discussion about medicines and treatments for this virus. And that is continuing to evolve as people who are pros at this and experienced at this are trying to find a way to deal with it. Um, what can you say about that right now, where it is? Well, it's funny you ask that because I got every morning I wake up and I check this one particular study that I'm waiting for the results to come out, or at least start to be come out, on uh, hydroxychloroquine, which yeah. is also known as Plaquenil. Yep. Uh, of course, the study that originally came out that everybody pointed to was not a study at all. It was a, just basically, in, in scientific terms, uh, a story, a great report. It was... And in fact, it, the in retrospect, the original study from France that came out has been not debunked, but but basically put into the perspective where it's just a good story. You know, we put a bunch of people on this hydroxychloroquine, nobody died, therefore hydroxychloroquine is a great drug. Well, that's that's not how science works. You can't just because we don't know that they would have otherwise not gone to the hospital anyway. So what you really need is a study where half of your people get a drug. Half of them do not. And then at the end of the study, you find out who did better. Did the hydroxychloroquine really work? Did it not work? Or any drug for that matter. So there's a study at the University of Minnesota that has been going through through its initial phases. And today is the day where they are going to take a peek inside the study. They're not, they're not going to release any results, but they're going to take a peek to make sure that the, control, the, the therapeutic arm of the study, meaning the people that are getting the drug, hydroxychloroquine, are not being harmed in some way. So either one of two things is going to happen. They're going to stop the study because after they take the peak, they're going to find out that the medication is hurting people. Or the study is going to be allowed to continue because either it's not hurting people or it could be helping people. But we won't know the answer to that until mid-May. So that's one drug. Um, the other drug, and so we're waiting to see the results of that. I, I don't know what to tell you other than I, I'm just as anxious as everybody else because you could think of that drug like we talked about last time the same way we think about Tamiflu for the flu or for people who are uh, uh, you know around people with the flu. That's how we would use hydroxychloroquine. What may happen in the shorter term by, by early fall are things called monoclonal antibodies, where they're trying to, there's a race right now to develop an antibody, which is, think of it as a little warrior against the COVID virus that can be generated in a lab and injected into people when they come to the emergency room or when they first get sick. It's like infusing a whole army of antibodies inside a person at one time. So it catches this virus, and it does not allow it to attack the body. And it can hold people, not for long, but it can give them a burst of antibodies that will help them avoid getting sick. That may be uh, what we're really 
shooting for in the short term while we wait for a vaccine. I wanted to say something to get you to speak to earlier, because when you come on, obviously your perspective as a medical doctor and someone who can talk through this is, is, is so necessary. But then you have the outside factors in other places who talk about things like this and specifically hydroxychloroquine. And, and some of the questions about it have been specious at best because this has existed. Hydroxychloroquine was first approved in the 1950s. That's 5-0 if you're keeping score at home. 1955, I believe. So it isn't a brand new medicine. I think what you are saying is we are trying to determine its effectiveness as it relates to COVID-19, this, this you know, novel virus that we're dealing with. So context is very important when this discussion is being had. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Let me give you an analogy. Aspirin. How long has aspirin been around? Forever. Forever. And it's only within the last past two decades that we realized aspirin's value in the prevention of death from heart attack and stroke. Mm-hmm. So it's a repurposed drug. It is a drug that suddenly got new life for a new reason. It's never not been FDA. It's never not been available. We just found a new application for it. And the same thing happened with hydroxychloroquine. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday. He said, I remember when we all took this when we went overseas in World War II. We had to take it every single day. We took it every day of our lives to prevent mm-hmm. us from getting malaria. From the mosquito because bites it, over there, yeah. It was no big deal. He yeah. said, uh, so this drug has been around for a long time. Yes, there are some safety concerns in very specific groups of people. But, but if this drug does turn out to work, by far and away, I mean, there, think about this. There are very specific people that Tylenol can hurt. Right. There are very specific people that Sudafed can hurt. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be that type of consideration. And as a medical doctor, we always have to take things like that into an account before we just prescribe the medication. So that should start to clear itself. But first and foremost, we've got to find out if the drug works, if it's truly effective. So... Right now, and obviously there are some habits that society has really grabbed onto because of this post-COVID reality we're living in. And I think you will agree we'll never go back to a world before COVID-19 again. When you think about some of the habits that have been encouraged and that won't go away, where do you prioritize the things that we should always remember? So when this does circle around again, possibly in the fall, we're, we're better prepared for it. So I noticed Dr. Fauci said yesterday, we will never be able to shake hands in public again. Yeah. I kind of went, I don't, in Louisiana, we're going to be hugging people again. No question. Hopefully before before long, you know, and, I think that, you know, even during the flu season, even back before COVID, when when flu season was in full swing, we were careful at the grocery store. We should have been careful at the grocery store. It was never a reason not to be. Or when you got on an airplane or you were in a a lobby full of people, you always had the possibility that you could shake hands with somebody who had the flu. But we accepted that because we knew we probably weren't going to die if we got the flu. And – if we did start to show symptoms of the flu, you make a phone call, you get started on this particular medication that may reduce the symptoms or reduce the duration. We came to understand and live with the flu being among us all the time. But we still shook hands. We still hug people. 
You know, we still had social interaction, but we obviously are going to have to be on our guard more with this this new player in the market, so to speak, this new coronavirus that we don't know how it typically behaves. But, you know, we talked, you and I talked the other day about this, <laughs> and I don't want to be, I don't want, I, I don't know how to say this other than I wonder, I'm just wondering. At the end of this whole scenario, we go back and we look at the mortality rate associated with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And in scientific terms, we call it case fatality rate. Case fatality rate is the number of deaths divided by the total number of people who tested positive. Okay? At the end of this thing, when we go back and look at this, is the case fatality rate at or about the same place that influenza is? Hmm. And if it is, wow, we went, we went way overboard right. shutting everything down for a, for, a, for a threat that turned out to be really not that much bigger than the flu. But I don't know that. So that's an interesting comment because of a question that I did want to ask. Now, as we record this interview, it is Thursday before Easter. Last week, Doc, and earlier this week, we were warned about how this week would be borderline apocalyptic and how the numbers, this would be the worst week in the country, the worst week in Louisiana in terms of cases and deaths. And knock on wood, and I'm happy about it, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Mm. Um, I think there should be some caution when things like that are said and they don't pan out, obviously it's like the weather guy who says it's going to storm all day and it doesn't. You're kind of looking at him side eye, but you're happy he was wrong because, hey, it's not storming. But it does make you second guess a little bit of what you hear the next time something like that is said. So from your perspective, I just want to know your thoughts on that. Am I wrong? Am I reading this wrong? What, what do you think? No, I think you're exactly right, and you and you start to ask yourself, how could they have gotten the math so wrong? You look at the original models that came out, and you know that's for speculation and somebody else to really sort of analyze once this is said and done. But sure. I know anecdotally, as I look around, as I talk to my colleagues in the hospital, as I talk to my colleagues out in the in the uh, community, yes, we're seeing this disease. I don't know a single physician right now that is, has been, you know, has, has had a patient who hasn't had anything more than just a bad case of, of the flu, basically. So I don't see people dying. The, the, the case fatality rate is not climbing in Baton Rouge. It looks like it's starting to level off. We have adequate ventilators. We, you know, our ventilator use in the hospital has not gone up dramatically in the past few days, which is a great sign. So question, your question is, how do you reconcile that? How did we get it so wrong? And the answer is you, you alluded to the weather, and that's the thing I use all the time. You're only as good as the data that you're given. Where's the data coming from? I don't know. I don't know who gave that data. But that doesn't mean, Clay, that we should you know, put our guard down Absolutely. and start saying, oh, well, this right. is no big deal. I'll, right. I'll throw caution to the wind, and I'll start going to the grocery store and and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I don't think we're there yet either. 
but I am happy to see that it is not the apocalyptic uh, prediction is not playing out. Yep. Yep. I really am. And um, I will feel a lot more comfortable if by Monday we still have seen a, a no uptick. The, the rule of thumb is we're looking for 14, basically 14 days of flat reported cases. And that's when we sort of know when we've made the curve because 14 days being the, the length of time from the time of infection to the time that symptoms are supposedly, your infectivity is over. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's it, right now I think people are kind of in the fatigue phase. So this is when I think you really have to be right when you are making declarations about where this is going. Because after a month of people being in their homes, any light that says I can get outside and people are going to be running, it'll be like the last day of school with people running out of their houses to get back out into, into the public. Well, ironically, and perhaps... Yeah, I guess ironically, the CDC released some information last night and said if you had the if you had the virus, and you know you had the virus, and you're symptom free, you can go back to work, but you need to wear a mask as long as you're having such symptoms. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, where are they going to? Which where, right. where are they going to work? Right. You know, and it's uh, it's a great thing, and it's but I do believe it gives some people some hope. And then you flash. You flashback. You look at what's going on in China and 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 I think Singapore. They're showing some a sudden increase in number of cases after they went days with no new cases. And you could argue, well, I don't trust anything coming out of that. You know, we don't. I don't know what to what to think. But I I will tell you, I want to be cautiously optimistic because again, we don't know everything there is to know about this goofy virus. We make a, a strong assumption that once you get this disease that you are now immune. And I don't know for sure, and none of the data that I can find proves that we are immune just because we get the disease. You know, think about um, some diseases you get, you're immune for life. Think mononucleosis, for example. We know that once you get it, you develop antibodies, you got it. Some, I mean, you, you're not going to get it again. Um then you've got diseases that you get vaccinated against. You get one vaccine, and then you're, you're sometimes you need a booster. Sometimes, but you can you know over a long period of time you are immune. We are presuming right now with COVID that just because you get it, you're immune. But we are noticing there are people who are not developing immunity the way they are, they should be. They are three months out, and this is studies out of China that they have not mounted an, the proper antibody response and not holding it. So at the three-month mark, they go back and test them for antibodies to the, to the virus, and there are none, meaning they're susceptible again, which, is, uh, which throws a curveball because, you, you, you know, you think we put this vaccine together, we're going to give people vaccine, and it should be a lifelong vaccine. It may very well not be that case. You may have to get this vaccination frequently to keep your immunity up because you go through it so fast yeah but the point is we don't know and we can't we can't let our guard down right now i think it is extremely important today to continue social distancing let's keep let's keep beating this virus down um i am definitely a fan of wearing a mask or a cloth 
in or some sort of a face cover in public. Why not? There's no reason not to do that. I, mean, I don't need a study to tell me that, for instance, uh, if you jump out of an airplane, you probably ought to have a parachute. You know what I mean? I think this, <laughs> right now we don't need a study to prove whether a mask out in public is good or not. I want to protect somebody else from getting it in case I have it and I don't know about it. Because, as you know, 50% of the people that test positive have no symptoms. Yeah. And you're most infective, Clay. You're, you're at your highest level of contagiousness within 24 hours of your first temp. So here you are walking around doing your thing, ho-hum, I feel great, and you're at the grocery store, and you are spreading virus to everybody. So it used to be we said, put it on the person who's sick. Yeah. Now we're saying, wait a minute, maybe we should all be wearing them because we don't know if we're sick. And if we are sick and don't know it, we're probably most contagious. So there's, there's tons of information on the Internet about how to get to a mask, how to create one from home and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just putting that out there. I, I don't see there's no downside to wearing a mask when you're in a group of people. If you have to be, even if you're six feet apart, wear the mask. Dr. Curtis Chastain with Lake Men's Health. Anything else you want to get out before we wrap? Uh, just prayers for everybody that's uh, that is suffering from or has family members that are suffering from this virus. Uh, hats off and absolute respect for all of my colleagues that are on the front line and in, in the hospitals everywhere because they are, they are weary. As I talked to you uh, last, I get an update every single morning from my guys in the hospital they're plugging along at this. They're looking for any kind of pat on the back. So any chance you get to, to give a healthcare provider a, a tap on the back and say good job, especially anybody wearing scrubs, yeah, go for it because these guys are really putting, literally putting their lives on the line. Yeah, I, I did it earlier this week, and I encourage people to keep doing it. It's, it's like you said, it's, these are people who are putting their lives on the line. They're dealing with this, and they have to be there dealing with this, and so we appreciate it. Doc, we'll do it again next week. Uh, happy Easter to you and your family, brother. Thank you, you too, Clay, and I appreciate all you do. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. Exclusively at podcast225.com. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. The policies, the people. This is the Clay Young Show. I didn't forget about you. That I promised something in the opening segment, some audio I couldn't put my hands on. 
So my videographer sent this to me yesterday. It's an example of us making TMZ. So many of you have been keeping up with this church in central Louisiana that has a pastor who has refused all the way through this COVID-19 reality to suspend his church services in the church now. No one has told him that he could not minister to his congregants and do it the way that a lot of other churches have done it. And that is via FaceTime or teleconference or something like that. Well, he hasn't done that. And they've turned it into a debate on freedom and religious persecution. And it's been a hot mess. It really has. And it's it's frustrating for a lot of people. And I know that people are going to say, well, you know, it's his right. The rest of us are having to comply. The rest of us are having to, to, other churches are complying with this. And this is not about persecuting someone over their religion. Well, this audio is courtesy of TMZ. And this is the pastor talking with them about what he is doing with his congregants. What about the percentage of people who don't survive then? Whatever that percentage is. You know, what would you say if in the future one of your parishioners did die of coronavirus having come to one of your services? Would would you say feel like you have blood in your hands or not? No. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for God is with us. Then he said, fear not for I am with you. And then the Bible teaches us to be absent from our bodies is to be present with the Lord. So like any revolutionary or like any zealot or like any pure religious person death looks to them like a welcome friend you're saying that they wouldn't mind if they died true Christians do not mind dying they fear living in fear so you're saying of their convictions you're saying that um, you think that your parishioners would prefer to come to the service and potentially get coronavirus and die than not come to the service and be fine. A people that can prefer disgrace to danger are headed for a master and deserve one. People that prefer tyranny over freedom do not deserve freedom. People have been locked in their homes for 23 days now like prisoners. The only vent that they have to their emotion is coming to the house of God and worshiping like free people. Why can't they just do it on Zoom or something? Why can't they do it like we're doing it now, just on face? That still works. God's everywhere. It does not work. If it worked, then why did America spend billions and billions of dollars on churches? But then hypothetically, in one month's time, if one of your parishioners has died of coronavirus, what do you have to say to their family who's watching it right now? I have to say that they died like free people fighting for their convictions. People die in my church of cancer, HIV, AIDS. But this is preventable. This is preventable. Well, who knows what is preventable? Scientists. Scientists do. And scientists need to know that God gave us a strong immune system. And the only way we're going to destroy this virus is for, they say everybody's going to get it then if everybody's going to get it, then let's get on with life. Man, 
That is just not a good look. Just is not. And I know a lot of people out there agree with him and say it's his right, but man, to me, this just doesn't look like anything that I would consider Christian. That's just my opinion. But I wanted to play the entire thing so that you could you can form your, your own opinions about it. It just seems selfish to me. So, but then look, that's me. And I think at this point now, there's nothing you can do. If he was arrested tomorrow, he'd probably be bonded out by later that day, if not in the morning at, at the latest. And the pastor has already said that there are members of his congregation who will step up in his absence. There's nothing you can do. It's too late to do anything about this. And the issue is going to be if some other church this weekend decides they want to have Easter services, what are you going to be able to tell them? Because the governor doesn't want anybody going in, any law enforcement agency going in and dragging this guy or his congregation out and members of his congregation out in handcuffs. So there's nothing you can do. Except remember this when this is all over with. And there's a lot more about this and a lot more about some of the people involved that I know. But now is not the time. I just thought you would find that interesting. Thanks to Mayor Broom and Dr. Chastain for being with us. You guys hang in there. Happy Easter to all of you out there. Hopefully you are enjoying your family this weekend, those in your house, and you can FaceTime or Zoom or whatever with other members of your family. You guys have a great one, and we'll catch you on the next episode of The Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com. And by the way, you can email me if you've got uh, show suggestions at the email address is clay at Podcast225.com. Of course, on social media, Clay underscore Young BR at Clay Young BR on Twitter and just Clay Young on Facebook. All right, y'all have a great one. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show.